0: Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. Well, our talk today is going to come out of Genesis, the book of Genesis chapter 17. So you can turn in your Bible or turn on your Bible and find Genesis 17. If you're in a paper Bible, that is uh, Genesis is the first book in the Bible, so it should be pretty easy to find. Introductory thought, some of your, I think a lot of us will be aware of the term of glory days. You ever heard of glory days? So here's a definition that'll come up on the screen. Glory days are a time in the past that is remembered for great success or happiness. It's memories of when life was awesome or maybe at least a little better than today. Have you heard the term glory days? Right? There's actually an old song called Glory Days. If you're young, that's okay if you've never heard of the, the term. Uh, some of us may actually every once in a while talk about our glory days. When I was in seventh grade, first experienced in first experience in real organized sports, played basketball, and I was a guard. And one game, uh, I was the high scorer. It's the only time I was ever high scorer, I'm sure, in my whole life of a, a basketball game. And I scored 13 points. And you're like, that's not very many points. Well, in a middle school basketball game, that's not too bad. When's the last time you went back to middle, you know? And so, uh, but it was kind of a fluke, but I still remember it and think, oh gosh, that was kind of fun. It, you want to hear more of the story? Some, just one person say yes. Yeah, so here's the deal. The beginning of the game, after the first quarter or so, the coach, because I was a guard, just a little guard, bring the ball down the floor, and the coach saw this opportunity to maybe score some points, and so he instructed me, when you get down, and again, I wasn't super skilled at the basketball thing, but when you get down, his idea was you need to fake a pass off to the right and that'll spread the defense and then you take one dribble in which would bring me to the free throw line. Some of you some of you can picture this and that would be my shot. And so I, like the first time I tried it, like you just you got through and you'd never, guess what happened, it went in. And so I did that like multiple times. I would, so I got kind of in this routine of I'd bring the ball down and I thought, well, if it works, okay and then I would shoot the ball. I remember it probably mostly because of the shot that I took where I wasn't really close enough to shoot it, but I had gotten in my rhythm. <laughs> and, but I was like beyond like the three-point line, which back then there wasn't even a three-point line. You know, We didn't, have an, didn't even have electricity when I was in middle school there was no three-point line. Some of you are like, at one point there wasn't? No. See, back in the old glory days, they didn't have, but I was out probably a little past what would have been the three-point line, and I faked, and so I was well outside (laughs) of my middle school range, but I was like committed. I still remember thoughts of like, oh no, that looks a long way away, but and, and it's, but I, you know, I went up and I, you know, as hard as I could and I shot the shot. And I actually think my coach began to yell something like, Pope, what the heck are you doing? But this was the glorious part. It went in, it actually went in. And so, so yeah, I was as happy as you are right now. And so I still remember like that moment in time where I thought, gosh, that was a cool, time in in life do you have any glory days or glory moments when i thought of athletic stuff when i was in high school i went to state in gymnastics some of you're like what yeah it was that peculiar in the vault where you run down a little lane and then you go off a springboard and you punch off the horse and then you're supposed to flip and land on your feet so i went to state in vault you know what place i got in state last i got last place but I went to state, okay, that's the point. I think maybe I was second to last out of 15. I didn't do very well, but, but I still, you know, you think, well, at least I made it to state. Glory days, so those are like some physical ideas that came to my mind. Maybe you have emotional glory days. Remember back when you were happy? <laughs> Somebody, yeah, I remember that. It's been a long time, but I remember that. So, or uh, maybe relational glory days. Maybe you have romantic glory days. When you think, man, remember in high school when I dated that one guy? He was so cool. Why did I ever break up with Charlie? And you think back and you think, oh gosh, that was, by the way, he he really wasn't as cool as you think he is now because something that happens with glory days is they tend to get better, you know, as the days go by or whatever. But I was thinking of glory days stuff i'm trying to relate this also to young people who right now you don't really get the look back at the glory days because you're young and you think you're in your glory days now because you're like man i'm super cool now and everything's great now or young people and this is true i think this is true young people you look at some of us older people and the one thing you do know is their life is not glorious because they're so old do you look at, oh, I'm looking at a couple of young guys here. Or, right, how many of you, some, I still remember thinking this way as a young person. I would meet somebody, they were like super old. I'm like, how old are you? Like, and they'd say, well, I'm 32. And I'm like, gosh, how do you even get up in the morning? And surely your life is over. When I was in my 40s, I remember talking to a young, you know, like an 18-year-old or 16. Maybe they were, no, you know what? They were younger than that because we started talking about how old we were. And they said, how old are you? And I said, guess. And they said, uh, 70. <laughs> I remember going punch you in the face. Anyway, the idea of glory days is, sometimes that there are certain seasons in life that are like amazing, which kind of implies there are probably some other seasons in life that are not amazing. And what I wanna do is push back against that idea and tell you from a biblical perspective, every season of your life, every season of our lives has potential with God to be glorious or good. Not perfect, I'm not saying, but good. John 10, 10, Jesus is saying this and he says, the thief, it's a reference to the devil, the enemy of your soul, says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That word life implies present and future, It implies physical and spiritual. It's a really broad word. And Jesus says, I've come that you would have life and have it to the full. There's an Old Testament uh, king. He was a king for a lot of his life. His name's David. And the Bible records great moments of his life in every season, I would argue. When he was a teenager, he had this awesome time where he uh, won a victory over a big giant soldier named Goliath. And he was just a teenager. In in his middle age uh, life, he was a king and did incredible things to help God's people get where they needed to be and all those kind of things. And even when he was old, although by the way he had stumbles and falls and he messed up some, but when it's old, it says of David, when David had served God's purposes in his own generation. And there's some implication there that he served God well from when he was, throughout, throughout his whole generation. When he was young, all the way until that scripture comes out of a time just before he was gonna die. So the idea he, here is God, no, our present season, right now, whether you're 14, how old are you? I'm 13. 13, I was so close, but I'm old, so it's real hard for me to You know, think in terms of numbers. (laughs) He's like, yeah, man, just go on. I don't want to talk. I don't want to talk to you. Thanks. I appreciate the interaction, though. Um, So whether you're 13, young man, or, uh, or whether you're 30 or 60 or 80, I'm telling you that this season of your life because of who God is, and if we will connect to him, can be a good season of life. So with that thought, we're in a series called Hope, and we're going to explore a a great account of when a man who you would think his life would be kind of over, because he's 99 years old, and God is going to come and give him direction for the next season in his life. His name in in our text is Abram or Abraham. In this moment in time, God actually changes his name from Abram to Abraham. And if you've read much of the Old Testament, Abraham is a really big deal, and this is one of those times in his life where God uh, interacted with him. Uh, So I think we can just pick it up in verse one of Genesis 17. It says, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down. And God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram, your name will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations, I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for generations to come, to be you, to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. One more verse. The whole land of Canaan, this big piece of property, where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give you as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Title of the talk is "Forever Hopeful." Uh, part one. We're going to go on from this text next week and expand on this a little bit more. But I want to I observe two things in this text that I think pulled. Abraham into this next good season of his life and so uh, whether you're 14 or 40 or 80 I think that these principles will really apply so let me pray and then I'll give you some ideas I pray God that the next few minutes would help each of us that, that you would speak to us in ways that would make the next season or this season that we're in a good season in Jesus' name, amen. Two ideas in the text. First one is this, and you can write this down if you're taking notes at home or if you have a handout here on on site. Abraham's season was great because of a fresh encounter with God. A fresh encounter with God. <coughs> fresh encounter with God. Verse one, Abraham was 99, you might think he's done with encounters with God, but he's not. 99, it says the Lord appeared to him and said. I think it's noteworthy that he was 99 years old and still having encounters with God. I I was thinking about 99. That was a little bit hard for me to fathom. What would it like to be ninety nine or lived ninety nine years, and I thought of our oldest, the oldest member of our church, and you know how old she is? her name's Haroldine kepke uh, there 's a picture of Haroldine. Haroldine is you ready ninety nine years old. In fact, this next Friday she 's going to be a hundred and uh, so so with Haroldine in mind. I was just thinking through her life. So let's just revisit what can happen in a, in a life that's gonna last 100 years. So Haroldine, she grew up in the 1920s. Doesn't that just sound? She grew up in the 1920s. The top selling toys in the 1920s when she was a kid, top selling toys were teddy bears, tinker toys, or uh, uh, Red red wagons, here's a picture I found. You could buy this red wagon in the 20s for $4.48. That's the equivalent of a PS6 or something. What are those things? Shift, Swift, Shift. What are those, What's what's the video game thing? What? Switch, I'm so sorry. Switch, you know. That's what everybody was wanting. It was $4.48. She lived through the great, she lived through, she didn't just read about the Great Depression, she lived through the Great Depression. She was around when Ford Motor Company established a 40 hour work week. Somebody think, oh, that's always, no, they, they like, okay, this is the way we're gonna approach this stuff, 40 hour work week. She lived through World, she lived through world War II the first radios televisions she made it through the 60s man <laughs> y2k now even the transitions in the last 20 years of internet and cell phones and all the connected stuff and i walk through that one is just to honor haroldine and but the other is to bring up this idea that i would tell you that through every one of those seasons that she has been through it would be helpful and impactful to have a close relationship with God and be encountering God in every one of those seasons. And the idea is not just it'd be great to have God somewhere in the universe in every season of life, but it makes a difference when God is close and talking to us, giving us direction and vision. Harold had her most, I'm thinking this was the most significant encounter in her life with God when she was 84. And that was at our church where she got born again and asked Jesus Christ to be her savior. At 84. Um, By the way, if you can help it, don't wait till you're 84 to have your first born born again encounter with Jesus. The Bible records in other places, uh, like in 1 Samuel chapter three, it talks about a boy named Samuel he ministered before the Lord, and it goes on to talk about this encounter that this boy, that word boy can also be translated child. This is not even a teenager yet. Maybe he was 11. He could have still, still just been seven or eight or nine, and God has this significant encounter with him. Talks to him about his future. In verse 11, he says, God says to a boy, See, I'm about to do something in Israel. He's talking, he's not talking to the leaders. and He said, I'm talking to you, Samuel. I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. I don't know what that means, but I think it's good. And he's communicating that to an 11-year-old or a 9-year-old. So here's the idea, it's a fill-in-the-blank. No matter our age or our circumstance, an encounter with God is helpful. That's an understatement, by the way. It's beyond helpful. Gosh, it's almost necessary. It'll make a big difference in whatever season of life that we're in. Sometimes I think, especially if we're going through a difficult season, when I was in my 30s, mid-30s, We were uh, trying to get the Vineyard Church started, and it wasn't going great. We're trying hard, but you know, you just keep plodding along, and we were doing some church services and Bible studies, and if you don't don't know the story, we started in our basement with about a dozen adults and and another dozen kids, and we just kind of slowly were, you know, a few people would come, and we'd baptize a few people every year, Well, eventually that got kind of tiresome and I can remember walking around the the house where we lived at the time and I was out in this back corner section, which is kind of away from everything. And I was just kind of pouring out my heart to God about this is hard. And is this worth it? Uh, By the way, the pouring your heart out to God, I think it was last weekend Pastor Steve spoke, totally a message worth listening to because he talked about the value of pouring your heart out to God. Um, I'm not great at that. But on this day, I was doing it and I was basically dwelling on this question in my heart and with God, why am I doing this Christian thing? Ministry thing, Christian thing. And I won't quickly forget when I really, I had an encounter with God And God clarified, and basically what he said to me, it's a little bit longer story, but basically what he said to me was, Mark, you're doing this for me. And that may not make a life change in your life, but can I tell you that when he said, you're doing it for me, it changed so much in my perspective and for that season. I lived on you're doing it for me for two, three, four, five years because it made it all better. Like, oh, okay, I just needed a good reason (laughs) to keep doing this. Psalm 84 says, how lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. It's like how beautiful it is to be in the presence of God. The writer also says, my soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the, it's important to note, my heart and my flesh cry out for the living, it implies active God. The active God, the God who interacts with us, the God who can speak with us, is something that will set the stage for a good season in your life. So a question for us to assess over the next few days, am I pursuing fresh encounters with God? I hope the answer is yes. If not, this is a great day to start. And I wanna actually address, before we finish this point, three different groups of people when I ask about fresh encounters with God, there's probably three groups of people. One of you, and I wanna make sure that you feel like I'm, I'm blessing you in this group. You're in the group where you might be thinking, I don't know what you're talking about, pastor dude. What the heck are you talking about? I still remember when if I were listening to my own sermon back when I was probably 19 years old, I would have looked and thought, what are you talking about? God talking to you in a personal relationship and all that stuff. But here's what I would say to you. God is not just up there in the sky wanting to watch over you, you know. Eyeballing you, making sure you're not doing anything wrong. God's a God who gets close. And I would encourage you, if you're like, I don't know if I get this stuff, just keep leaning in. Keep if you're coming to church, or you're watching online, keep doing those things. And 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 I would challenge you, make a decision that you're gonna lean in toward this God that I'm talking about. I don't know, this pastor's talking about some God who who cares and who's close, just keep leaning in. And I'll tell you, with some confidence, you'll end up having experiences where you will know God's talking to you. It won't be, may not be out loud, but you'll know it. And those things are worth leaning in. Those are life-changing and altering things. So the first group is, you know, the group going, I don't know what you're talking about. Just keep going, keep going. Second group is you're walking in a fresh encounter, you're doing great. The third group is you're living off spiritual leftovers. And I wanna challenge you a little bit, don't live off of just what happened to you, you know, back in 2014 when you had that great experience. That's great, write that down, be grateful for that, but don't live on that because that will not sustain you like a fresh encounter will today in the season that you're in. So the first idea was, his season was great because of a fresh encounter. We're going to give you one more. Abraham's season was great because of a BHAG vision. B-H-A-G. HAG. You know what a BHAG is? It'll come up on the screen. Big, hairy, audacious goal. How many of you have heard of Hag? There's some people talk about this in goals. Okay, yeah. But for those of you that are new to the big, hairy, audacious goal idea, that's what an audacious goal is. Big vision. I, my experience is there's a difference between little sort of vision or goal and a vision that will draw you in and bring the best out of you into the next season. I'll try to give you some examples. One goal, I'd like to lose two pounds. That's nice. Bigger goal, perhaps better goal is, I would like to get in good enough shape that I could run a 5K this next summer or a half marathon. Do you see the difference in, com- in compelling vision? Bigger vision, more compelling. I'll try another one. Emotional, an emotional vision. I'd like to be at least happy enough that I don't take ha- tequila shots every night to make myself feel better right? Like, okay, that's a goal. Better goal, maybe, would be, what about leaning in and pursuing God and maybe others and help and say, I want to be a person who, over the next months, I wake up in the morning with a reasonable amount of joyful energy that I'm going to hit this day and it's going to be good. That's a bigger goal than fewer shots at night. Some of you're like, I never thought about not shots at night. I that would be a good thing for me. I'm like, you should go for it. But may, maybe you should go, some, go for something bigger than just less medication. I'm just saying. Relational goal. Big, hairy, audacious goal. Little goal relationally would be it'd be great if sometime in February if I hooked up with somebody Right? A date, like, there's a, that's a goal. Better goal. What about turning the direction of your life, seeking God, and saying, God, I wanna find a life partner that's willing to establish a lifelong covenant where we will stick together when life is good and when life is bad, and we will go through the ups and downs and support each other And we'll do it for so long that even eventually when one of us has to pass away, while your spouse is dying or you're dying, you would be the couple that crawl into bed with each other and hold each other as one is passing away. And your heart would be broken. And yet at the same time, there would be love. And it would all be that. That kind of a goal is a bigger, broader, more life-giving pursuit. It'll make a bigger difference in how we live this present season of life. And I would submit to you that God is offering Abraham a big, hairy, audacious spiritual goal in this text. In verse two, God says, I wanna make a covenant between me and you. A covenant is a never-ending commitment. Verse four, God says, you're going to be a father of many nations. A father is someone who's part of birthing something new. In the same sentence, God says, I want you to be a father of many nations. Not just the father of a big group of fam, but a father of big groups, of big groups like nations. In verse eight, he talks about this piece of property, Canaan. And he says, I'm going to give it to you as an everlasting possession. So it's not just, if you can imagine a piece of property that you want, maybe you know it's like a, a house in the country or a, a maybe a, a, a- place along a river or, or it's like, oh wow, this, is, I'd like, this would be a great piece of property. God is saying to Abraham, I'm gonna give you this great piece of property and it's gonna be yours, but it's not just gonna be yours. This is gonna get passed on to your kids and not just your kids, it's gonna be passed on to your kids' kids. And by the way, your great, great, great grandkids, it's gonna be their property and your great, 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 until, time, until the end of time, this piece of property is gonna be in your family Lined. And I wonder if, do you, do you see the bigness, the broadness of this vision? And I wonder if, as Abraham is on his face before God, verse 3, it says he's on his face before God in the midst of this. I wonder if at some point, when he's listening to the Lord talk to him, but I, I don't know what was in his head. Maybe he was just scared. But I wonder if at some point, whether he doesn't think, wow, this is so big, It's gonna take my life to do it and I'm in. Like it's a big enough vision that when sacrifice comes you just say, I'm in, because it's worth it. You can write this in. Abraham's season was made full because he had a reason to empty himself. The, the vision was big enough so that when the days were hard, he's like, this is so worth it. Or when he wasn't sure that life and his energy and serving and working and whatever responsibility he had, when he's like, I don't know, is this all worth it? When you think of the big vision of everlasting covenant and, and pro- all... I think that Abraham would be like, it's totally worth it. The amount of our vision and the bigness of our vision will affect the fulfillment we experience in the season of life you're in. So we'll finish up this point with a question on the screen. I'd really like for us to think about this uh, today, tomorrow, now. What is on my to-do list that is really worth doing? And I know there are some things that are just practical in life. We just have to do them and know they may not be eternal, but take a shower. That's great. You ought to do that. No, really, I think you should take a shower. But beyond that, there are some things in our life, I hope we have something on our to-do list that's way deeper than just clean hair. Or whatever. Those are the kind of things that will affect this present season of your life. So to recap, A fresh encounter with God and a big, hairy, audacious goal vision. Why don't you stand? And we're going to pray. Wow. And I'm going to pray, even in the midst of this, that God might give us at least a little bit of an encounter like Abraham had back in this text. So let me pray. God, I pray for everybody here that you would bring an encounter to us that would give us more or significant purpose, joy, uh, meaning in our present season. I pray for a couple groups of people. Some of you've never had a God-given vision or encounter. God, I ask that you would break into their life today when they're having lunch or when they're doing other things, or maybe they'll be intentional enough to do some Bible time, some God, will you break through? Give some people their first big giant encounter with you, I ask in Jesus' name. I pray a blessing on people that are in a good season and they're they're listening to the Lord. I pray for people who may be living off of old spiritual encounters and it's time for a new one. Bring it, I pray. Bring it, I pray, in Jesus' name.